Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I'm still in the throes of some sort of cold or something. My voice will sound a little funny. I'll probably talk a little quieter, and I may edit out some hacking fits. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, great story here that Jeremy sent me. And I'm always talking about automobile purchases and what you get when you buy a car as is. You almost never hear of somebody who buys a defective car as is who can go after the dealer successfully because, well, you bought the car as is. But there are exceptions, and the exceptions make the news because they're so unusual. So a judge has said that the sale of a defective SUV by dealership to a mother shocks the conscience and ruled in her favor. Katie Mulvaney wrote this for the Providence Journal. And she writes, imagine driving on the highway with your five kids in the car when the vehicle suddenly comes to a grinding halt. That's the reality for the woman in the story here. Uh, Last year, less than two weeks after she bought a 2010 GMC Acadia SUV from a dealership in Bristol, according to a court ruling this week. Superior Court judge concluded that the dealership willfully and knowingly sold a defective SUV to her, amounting to an unconscionable business practice, and ordered the used car dealership to pay full restitution. So he's ordering the buyback of a used vehicle, sold as is. Court finds that the dealership's actions were decidedly unfair and duplicitous. The words shock the conscience come to mind, considering the dangers to which the woman and her children were subjected by being anywhere near the Acadia, let alone in it. The judge wrote in a blistering ruling upholding an earlier decision by the Rhode Island Motor Vehicle Dealers Licensing and Hearing Board. So what happened was, a woman bought the car, she said it was defective, she tried to deal with the dealership, they wouldn't help her. She complained to the organization that licenses dealerships. They held a hearing and ruled in her favor. Under Rhode Island law, You can appeal that to a court if you don't like that administrative ruling. And the court has now upheld that ruling. The uh, judge suggested the case could warrant further proceedings as the board chose, meaning that he could send it back down and say, you might want to help her out a little more. Ultimately, the court concludes the board's decision was overly generous and that the dealer looks a gift horse in the mouth even by filing this appeal. He's saying it was generous of the board to say all you got to do is buy the car back. A call to the dealership was not returned. Its lawyer could not be reached due to a family emergency. The records of the state identify a man as a registered agent of the dealership doing business as the dealership. The ruling tracks the dealership's sale of the allegedly faulty vehicle to not one but two unwitting families plagued by glowing dashboard warning lights, knocking engines, and oil leaks. According to the ruling, there was a previous family that bought this vehicle for about $9,000 in April 2021. It was less than a year before the woman at the center of this story bought the same vehicle. In a deal that included a 30-day, 1,200-mile warranty covering the motor and transmission, under the terms, the dealership agreed to cover half of parts and labor-related repairs. Ten minutes into their drive home, the check engine light began blinking with more mechanical issues the next day. Within a week... The Acadia was towed back to the dealership, and the vice president of the dealer advised that family after an inspection that the issues were caused by a lack of fuel. You guys just ran out of gas. What are you talking about? After they retrieved the SUV, the check engine light showed again after a brief drive. They contacted the dealer and were purportedly met with a vulgar response, followed by a refusal or failure to correspond with them. 
They then took the car to a dealership whose mechanics found that the car had a used engine, so it had already had an engine swap, as well as aftermarket timing chains and an actuator that was stuck in place. They removed the engine, replaced the equipment with parts from the manufacturer, and then cleaned and resealed the engine. Nonetheless, the SUV stalled on a test drive and showed low oil pressure. The technicians recommended they contact the dealer about the engine, and they billed that family $3,500, which the vice president of the dealer refused to honor because he said, well, you took it someplace else. If, if you bring it to us, we'll do the work. But you refuse to do the work. Yeah, but when you take it someplace else, we're not going to compensate you. So you get in kind of a can't-win situation there. That family filed a complaint with the Rhode Island Division of Motor Vehicle Dealers License and Regulations Office. The dealership attributed the issues to the car being out of fuel and having a defective starter. <laughs> Staff there denied installing a used engine and claimed that metal flakes found in the oil were caused by a pump that wasn't replaced. The dealership refused to cooperate with state investigators and stated the matter was a total fraud. So a whole bunch of other stuff happened, but eventually that vehicle wound up back at the dealership. So in February of 2022, this woman that's in the story here agreed to buy the Acadia as is with no warranty for $8,000. Soon after picking it up, warning lights came on, knocking some on the engine, and she reported the issue to the dealership within 10 days of purchase and was told that mechanics couldn't look at it for a week. So she took it to a Valvoline for an oil change and was alerted to oil leaks of an unknown origin. So on February 20th, she informed the dealership the Acadia had stalled while she was driving on the highway with her five children with multiple warning lights flashing and a smell emanating from under the hood. So she brought the SUV back to the dealership where they informed her there was no oil in the engine and that it was fried and in need of replacement. She asked for a refund, but they refused, noting that she had purchased the vehicle as is, as is, okay? So dealership asked her to have the Acadia towed away, but instead she drove it against her advice, and it smoked and poured out oil as she drove it from the property. She then filed a complaint with the state, and the proceedings took place. So all we need to know at this point, because there's a whole bunch of other details that go into this, about who complained to who, where, what, when, what kind of... Statements were made by the dealership <laughs> about the vehicle being out of fuel. And <clears throat> when you buy something as is, you have to understand that most states, most states allow a dealership to sell a used car as is, as long as they disclose it properly. And the Federal Trade Commission even recognizes dealerships' rights to do that because the buyer's guide in the windows will say this vehicle is being sold either as is, with no warranties, or with a warranty described here. 99% of all used cars sold in Michigan, for instance, are sold as is, okay? Very, very high percentage of them. And generally speaking, generally speaking, when you buy something as is, you're getting it with all faults and everything's on you. And if you flip the buyer's guide over on the back, it'll list all the things that can go wrong with that vehicle that would be on you. Things like blown engine, blown transmission, busted connecting rods, blah, blah. I mean, literally, it's, it's, it's like a who's who of everything that can go wrong with a car, okay? So you might say, well, Steve, how did she win here? What, what, well... These are egregious facts, and all as is means, in reality, is you're disclaiming the implied warranty of merchantability. So if you look at all the different warranties that talk about your express warranties, uh, warranty of habitability I've talked about recently, uh, warranty of title, these kinds of things, uh, one warranty is the implied warranty of merchantability. 
And the implied warranty merchantability is the warranty that says, in essence, that something you buy will do what it's supposed to do, whether or not the seller makes that claim. So a refrigerator will keep your food cold. Lawnmower will cut your grass. Okay? A car is going to be safe and reliable transportation unless disclaimed by the seller. And it's always disclaimed by the seller. But notice what I said there, though, is that the disclaimer, when you sell it as is, doesn't mean you can break every law under the sun and get away with it. It merely means you're disclaiming the implied warranty of merchantability. And this story does not say what the judge based his ruling on, but I can extrapolate some of this for you. Because remember that one person bought the vehicle, it was a piece of junk, and they were ordered to take it back. And in this case, sold to this woman, it's a piece of junk, and she complains, and it goes before the board. What do we know about this case? We know that the dealership knows that this vehicle is a piece of junk. And if I am involved in a transaction with you, okay, and it's governed by the Uniform Commercial Code, which it would be if one of us is a merchant, then the breach of the obligation of good faith is what we're looking at. Because the UCC says that parties to a commercial transaction must operate in good faith, which is honesty in fact. Honesty. So that dealership, knowing that vehicle is a piece of junk and selling it to her, is not acting in good faith. And in fact, there's most likely what they're looking at here is a concept called silent misrepresentation. And misrepresentation is often described as being akin to fraud. Fraud, of course, is where I make a false statement to you that you rely upon, and I know you're going to rely upon it, and you rely upon it to your detriment, and you get hurt, and I benefit. So let's suppose that I've got a house, I'm selling a house, and every single year the house floods. Every year there's nothing to be done about it. Apparently they built the house in an area where it's three feet below the local river level, and the river goes up and floods, and boom, the house floods. And so you come looking at the house, and uh, you go, hey, does this house ever flood? And I go, no, I've lived here 20 years, dry as a bone, 20 years, 20 years, never, never has it flooded, ever. You buy the house, first raindrop, boom, basement six feet deep in water. <laughs> so you're a little upset by that. You call me and I go, I don't know what you're talking about. And I hang up on you. So you walk over to your neighbor's house and your neighbor uh, swims out because their house is flooded also and they're wearing a, you know scuba gear, snorkeling gear. And uh, you go, hey, what's going on here? They go, oh, these houses, every single house in the street floods every single year. Every year it floods. And you go, I bought the house from that guy, and he said the house never floods. And they just start laughing at you. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) His house is always flood. We can show you pictures where we've had flood parties in his basement. We're all sitting around on floaties drinking beer. What are you talking about? He said the house doesn't flood. Hey, you hear what he just said? He bought the house. They told him it didn't flood. That's fraud. That'd be fraud. At, open and shut. That's that's a slam dunk case of fraud. Now, just because this is what lawyers do in courts as well, what happens if you forgot to ask, does this house ever flood? So I meet you on day one and you're inspecting the house and I go over the entire house with you. Everything. How old is this door? Do you have a key for that cabinet? How's that roof look? And you never ask about flooding, not a single time. 
You come back a second day. You walk around outside. You're looking at the driveway, the roof, the chimney, the soil for some odd reason. You decide to buy the house. We go to a closing. And by the way, I have to tell you, in some states, disclosures are required. And it'll say that you must disclose the following things. Let's assume for a moment that does not exist in the state I'm talking about. Because in Michigan, it doesn't. But some states might not have that. So I'm going to say, let's go back to the just hypothetical. Okay? So you and I have met face-to-face two or three times. We finally go to a closing. And I bring my people. You bring your people. All kinds of documents flying back and forth. Oh, you're going to love that home. You never asked, does that house flood? So I never told you. And so somewhere down the road, like I said, the day one, the first time a cloud goes overhead and all of a sudden the house is underwater, you go, the house flooded. And I go, you never asked. Ha ha. Well, (laughs) that's called misrepresentation. Misrepresentation is where there's something that is extremely important to the transaction that I know you do not know And this is the important part. I know that you'd like to know. It would be material. It would be material, meaning that if you knew this, it would impact your decision. So if at the closing, just before anybody signed anything, I said, oh, by the way, for three weeks every year, your basement's going to be this deep in water. And then two or three more months of black mold. But don't worry. Expensive remediation takes care of most of it. Okay? (laughs) You guys are going to skedaddle out of that closing center so fast, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow my mind. That's why I'm not going to tell you. So silent misrepresentation is when I know something that I don't tell you. So, and you're harmed thereby. So when you go into this dealership and you're looking at this car, in a typical situation, a salesman can look at the car and go, it's a great car. Look at it. Look at all the features. Oh my gosh, what a great deal. Check out the Carfax, whatever. And if you buy this piece of junk, you go back, this is a piece of junk. They go, we didn't know that. We just took it in on trade. We drove it on the block one time. It ran fine. We did not know that. And they can usually make that argument with a straight face. Usually. Where they can't make the argument is where something like this happens. It's documented that someone else bought this exact same car, and it is a nightmare to own. They bought it back after some kind of legal process, and they turn right around and sell it to this woman. And they didn't tell her what they knew, and we know that they knew it. That's where they get in trouble. So I suspect that if you ask the judge, or if this opinion was well-written where somebody actually laid out the law, I suspect it's going to say, we have a dealership here not dealing in good faith and failing to disclose something that they knew. Some states, I've mentioned before, have what's called an Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act that say quite clearly in a consumer transaction, a merchant cannot fail to disclose something to a buyer if it's a material transaction, in essence, misrepresentation. You might say, Steve, why do we need that statute if we've got common law misrepresentation? The statute often says you can get your attorney fees and court costs if it happens in a consumer setting versus buying a house from somebody which is not a a merchant. I'm not a merchant selling you a house. I'm just a guy selling you a house. So that's what's going on there. And it is an extremely unusual situation because the woman bought the car as is, no questions. No question about that. And yet a judge said, buy it back. 
because it's unconscionable what you did. So judge said sale defective SUV by dealership to mom shocks the conscience. Katie Mulvaney wrote that for the Providence Journal, and Jeremy sent it. Thanks a lot. And um, I'm going to get some complaints about the shirt I'm wearing. This is a Manchester United football shirt. And Man U, of course, is a very, very popular team in England. Now, I'm going to get someone's going to go, well, how come you aren't wearing this? And how come you aren't wearing that? What I'm getting at here is, for those of you who don't know, there are rivalries among these different football clubs. Kind of like if I came on here and wore a New York Yankees shirt, somebody inevitably would say, I hate the Yankees, I like the Mets. Okay? Or if I wore a Detroit Tigers shirt, you might say, I don't like the Tigers, I like the Cubs. Whatever. The shirt was sent to me by a viewer. Simon, thank you very much. If you want to see me wearing a Liverpool shirt, I wear a double XL. And you can do what Simon did. But other than that, <laughs> I don't know why. People see me wearing different shirts every single day. I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And then I wear one that kind of pokes them. And they're like, why are you wearing that shirt? Why aren't you wearing this shirt? 99% of the shirts are sent to me by viewers. That's why. So I'm not begging for shirts. But don't complain when someone else takes the initiative to send me a Man U shirt and then you're upset because you aren't a Man U supporter. So there you go. <laughs> Questions or comments, put them below. Those talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Happiness is not an ideal of reason, but of imagination.